Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we're building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton, and I'll show you how to embrace your child and your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter, and I will help you identify and overcome obstacles that can get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships. And I help you realize the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons that we've learned from our own lives, the experiences from hundreds of families that we have worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. I know you probably are like, what happened to Allison and Jenny? Because we've taken a little bit of a podcast break, but we are back. We have missed you. I know. We did some downtime. We did. Well, and we did our live Lift and Love Mama's Retreat with Mothers Who Know. And it was beyond even what my ex, my low, my highest expectation was. It was so incredibly fun to meet these amazing 110 cool, beautiful moms. And to, to, we're going to talk about a little bit more, but we have Anita Irvin with us today. I know. And everyone was so thrilled to meet Anita. And she taught everybody a uh, trans non-binary 101 that was so good awesome oh, so awesome yeah. yeah we were gonna tape it we debated it and now I kind of wish we did had we had taped all of our stuff because yeah. it was all so good like what do you think Anita like going into the oh, thing, it was so patients it was just it so happen? intense I don't even know how to talk about it like oh, people yeah, ask it how it was and I'm like it was all of the things it was spiritual it was emotional it was heartbreaking it was heartrending it was full of love. It was full of faith. Like it was, it was just all of the things that you would want it to be. And it was so intense. And so like act, yeah. I don't know how to explain it to people, but it was just, it was, it was wonderful. I think yeah. you guys were, su- were really inspired to do that. So oh, thank you. We, you know what? It felt inspired. The planning felt inspired. It came together so well. We're going to send out a survey. Um, as soon as I come off the break, totally. Yeah. Like I think it took, like, it was so, like, Anita, like you said, it was so packed, but emotionally too. And like meeting and connecting with those 110 moms, like it was, it was, it was a sacred space and it just took a while to come back to planet Earth. (laughs) Which is almost why you don't want to talk about it too much because it it is very sacred. You know, I don't want to cheapen it. Um, Right. I just kind of want to hold it. It's kind of like Mary where, you know, she, after like, the angel Gabriel tells her that she's going to have be, you know, the son of God. And she just keeps it in her heart. Like she ponders these things in her heart. Yeah. That's not that I'm equating, obviously, <laughs> this experience, but it just felt so sacred. It's a great word for it. Yeah, totally. well, I love that. And I think it's okay to, to equate it to that because there was, it was sort of a powerful first experience, at least for us. I would say everyone in the room, it was their first experience to be together. And I think the power of the togetherness and to not be the one alone, you know, my girlfriend's daughter came out to her two years ago and she um, finally is out publicly to her family. And there's just such a relief on her. Her mom's noticed and other people have noticed that she just is a different person. And I think that's what happens once we realize we are not soldiering on alone. And we are just, we are all experiencing really similar, but, you know, diverse experiences, but very similar feelings. And I think especially as a trans mom, 
I don't know any other people in my area who mm-hmm. have trans kids. And so I have friends who have kids that are gay. I have friends, you know, where I know people and other, but, but because I think youth coming out as transgender is still pretty new um, yeah. in the last few years, I just, it's very isolating. Um, so even my friends who get it because they're LDS, LGBTQ families don't fully get it because they're not a trans or non-binary family. It's different. It feels different. And yeah. so just to be there, and I'm so glad we had so many trans non-binary moms who were there. I hadn't raised their hands at the beginning of my workshop. And it was, I think, almost a third I was shocked. Yeah, I think you know, of the moms were there. Yeah. We, we yeah. should put, put those stats up. It yeah. was wonderful. Well, and it was interesting, like, Allison, like you're like saying, even like, because we had our mama support Zoom meeting last Thursday, you're like, it was such a different meeting after. Yeah. Like, what were you meaning when you said that? Uh, it was just way more open. People were more comfortable expressing themselves. There were quite a few people that were new there. Um, I think I felt a little bolder, like in my responses. And there just was, uh, you know, the other moms were kind of jumping in and and had stuff to say. It was just, there was something that happened where everybody kind of moved up in confidence a level. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, you know, Anita sent us this email because she had got this question. What was the question you got, Anita? Do you want to? So the friend I asked, I'll even, I'll read it to you. She's like, I don't understand how you stay. And she, cause I'm, she had left the church before, for various reasons. And that was one of them. Cause she's like, I don't understand how you stay active when the church, in her perspective, the doctrine of the church is actively against my family <laughs> because yeah. they're LGBTQ. So right. and this she was trying to figure that out sincerely, not, not right. trying to. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's a question that we all likely wrestle with on and off or on totally, or, you know, I mean, and maybe not with those words and maybe not with that total, you know, that kind of feel behind it, but certainly we all have some level of like, so what are we doing here? Right. And I think that's why the events felt so sacred because I mean, everybody's on different faith journeys, but for the whole, I would say most of those moms are trying to figure out how to increase their testimony in Christ and support their child. Like overall, that I would think is the common denominator. And that's why it felt so sacred and so powerful. Like it really was like the women at the well feeling to me where we were just being fed from each other and from the spirit of like from our savior of how to do this. And so I thought Anita, like, how you broke it down and we're going to go and kind of go, you kind of made a formula for this. I, when I read this, I was like, yes, like, you're like, we should do a podcast. I'm like, absolutely. Because I think, you know, our brains like to work in systems and formulas. And so I think you've done a beautiful job of doing this for other moms to see. And it helps that I'm an accountant. <laughs> I think in oh, formulas, numbers, <laughs> silly numbers, it's, it's I beautiful. just like the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I love spreadsheets. So I appreciate that. That's probably why I love it so much. Yeah, no, I think it's so good. And, and it is a question, I think, sorry, adjusting my seat there. I think it's a question that I know that I get asked it all the time, like several, several times a week. If yeah. not, you know, if I leave the house, I get asked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. And it's generally being asked from people, like you said, who really like, would have liked to stay, you know, and they're like, how are you staying or, or trying to figure it out for themselves. It's not asked in a negative way. It's asked in a really like open, positive way. So I, 
Take yeah. and everybody's got to figure out for themselves. But I really resonate with Anita what the what you wrote and talked about. And so, like you know, take what we how we do it, and but then make it. You got to really personalize it for you. So take what we give, and then make it make it yours. Right. Yeah, and we all deal differently with the questions and the the um the different points. So let's kind of dive in here and and start. Let's start and see where we go with all of this and with the information that we can kind of share with you. I always call it coping skills, like how do you cope? Um but I also think they're more powerful than just a coping skill because if I wanted to leave the church, I would leave the church. I want to be here. It's it's in my blood. Um, and I, I don't know, it's in my blood and it's in my heart and it is my way to the savior. And, and I want it to be the very best place for my family and for other LGBTQ families. So I stay, it's not going to work that way for everybody. And it certainly didn't work that way for my brother. And who knows what my son's future looks like, depending on how he's embraced and all of that. So, um, I know we'll each kind of share our different points, but just there's um, there's strength in what we do and joining together to do it. So I want to start with that kind of feeling that, right? you know, this is, this is, we stay for, because it strengthens us and it strengthens our testimony in Jesus Christ. Right. And anyway. I think it's, a, I think it's important to mention too, that this synopsis, or if you will, the way that I broke it down for this friend of mine those words were mine that I used, but the principles, the underlying things that helped me get to this point are things that I picked up from listening to other people who are willing to share their faith journeys and their faith crisis and their impressions and feelings. And so I don't feel like these ideas are unique or my own because they'll, they'll, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast would be like, oh yeah, I've done that. Or I, I resonate with that or whatever. And so, um, I, for, so for those of you who do share, there's so much value to that, um, because it, it does help us all as we're trying to navigate our path, um, in staying close to the savior, whatever that looks like. And that, I think that's the first point, right? Like it, it, you have to have a testimony of the savior and his atonement, you know, and like, how do you stay focused on that with all of the culture because our ch- our church is not our church is a culture, right? It is a way of life. Mm-hmm. So how do you, Anita, like focus on the savior and not on the culture? Um, you know, I think for me, I, I really had to just the word that was used at the conference to, to deconstruct our testimonies and then reconstruct them. And that resonated with me very strongly because that's essentially what I did. I grew up in a very conservative home with a very conservative, sweet mother who was a conservative Methodist before she became a conservative member of the church. And so just very, you know, conservative. She doesn't drink caffeine. I love my Coke. Um, So (laughs) we all have our things. But so I grew up, you know, if there was a church activity, I was supposed to be at the church activity. If I didn't go to the church activity, I didn't go anywhere. There's just a very... This is, it was very rule driven. I'll put it that way. And I don't want to give the impression that there wasn't love or there wasn't testimony because all those things were there. My mother has, I would call her a pillar of faith. You know, she really um, has been a good example to me for that. But 
I realized that I had to strip away all, all of the external things that were not Christ because they were very scary to me. Um, when a child, you have a child that comes out as LGBTQ, all of a sudden you realize that they are probably not going to do all the things that you think you have to do. You know, the, the, the pressure that we put on ourselves to live the culture, to do yeah. our food storage, to go to the temple every month, to, you know, all the things that we um, think it must be done to achieve salvation. You realize that they're not going to have that life. And then there's a lot of fear tied in to what's going to happen to them in the long run. And so I think I was just really grateful that the first thing that came through was number one, my job as a parent is to love my child. I mean, that was the first thing impression that I was given, but as far as the rest of it, you just have to take everything else away. And at the core of our doctrine, at the core of our church, at the core of all these print, the restored gospel, it's Jesus Christ and his atonement. And is he full of grace or not? Is he powerful enough to save or not? Does he love my child or not? And of course he does. And is there anything too big for him? No. No. And I love the fact that the whole, our whole story of our church starts with, you know, the visitation of Jesus Christ and our heavenly father and calling Joseph Smith by name. Right. To me, the bedrock of like, like he knows my son by name. He knows me by name, right? Like that relationship. I mean, the church came later, the establishment of the church, but our our whole story of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is based on this visitation of this one-on-one relationship, right? It's a one, it was a one-on-one visit to Joseph Smith, and we feel the same way. It's one-on-one as in Christ. Right. No, and and the beautiful thing about the doctrine of Jesus Christ and his atonement is it drives away all the fear. Yeah. I don't, I'm not afraid anymore because it doesn't matter that I don't have the answers. It's not that I'm saying it's not hard sometimes that I don't have the answers, but at the end of the day, I trust that there's still a plan and that Christ has not forgotten our family. Um, and that um, like, there's just, there's just no room for fear when you're focusing everything on your faith in Christ. It just makes everything that much more beautiful. And one of the things that I found is when I separated it, when I separated my testimony of Jesus Christ from my testimony of the restored gospel and the church as a whole, um, it was a little bit scary because I didn't know what was going to happen to my testimony of the, of the church. And I, I loved the church. Like I, I loved participating in doing all these things. But what I found was that my testimony of the savior deepened and grew in a way like exponentially compared to what it had been my whole life. Because for the first time I understood and felt on a very core level that I did not need to follow the commandments to earn his love. I did not have to go to church every Sunday to earn his love. It doesn't mean I don't go to church every Sunday and I'm not trying to keep the commitments, but it took away all of that pressure and I could see more purely how deeply he loves and advocates for us as his people, as his children. And so that it just, it, there was nothing to be afraid of no. to do that, but it was, it doesn't mean it wasn't scary to do it, but it. it uh, yeah. But to learn that like our Lord is not transactional with his love. Cause we humans really view 
like we, that's how we kind of go to autopilot. Like we have to learn out of that transactional love, but he just does that so naturally because he's perfect in it. It, when you like, that's what the testimony you gain. And that, that just fills you up at every cell of your body. Like you just feel so seen when you really understand the depths of how much he loves us. Yeah. And I'd like you use the word seen. That is the perfect descriptor. I feel like not my actions, not my obedience is seen, but me, who I am, my flawed, broken, imperfect self. I am seen and I'm cherished by my Savior. Love it. You know, Anita, one thing you said that I just love was you said, I don't know the answers. It's not that they're not answers. I just don't know them. And I, when you said that, I just, my deepest days of anguish are those days when someone has sort of attempted to take that away from me, those ideas. Um, when people say there's more answers coming. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Nothing will ever change. I mean, the number of times I've heard that, like uh, nothing will ever change. And it's like, well, okay. You know, if, if I, the days that I buy into that, or I think, oh, no, everybody thinks nothing will change or, uh, or, you know, I don't know, no one wants change or whatever leads me to despair. Those are the, the, those are the darkest days for me because I think I'm praying for deeper understanding and I I need, I would like it if everybody, you know, we're all praying for more understanding about this kind of large percentage of people in our church who are suffering and hurting and their families make it a really big percentage of our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's those moments when people say, take away the hope. And that's one of the things I have to protect. Is, 100%. Uh, yeah. Is, is I have to protect, um, I have to protect myself from hopelessness because that, the, that's, that's the worst. That's when despair takes over, right? When you right. are not, uh, when you've lost any hope. And and for our LGBTQ members, that is, um, that's dangerous because hopelessness is a high correlation with suicide. Um, yeah, nice. These these members want so much to have a deeper and and more um, hopeful understanding of what the Lord's plan for them is, as do their parents. Right, and I hope is a fruit of the spirit, and so that goes directly with our number one point: is like focus on you and your Savior and His atonement, and you are going to feel hope. Hope is from the Savior, never from Satan. Satan is hopelessness for sure. That is His message. Right. Um, and when we're just, dis- you know, hopelessness is feeling disconnected from everybody. And I think that was the beauty of the event was that we were connected mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. power of connection and of shared, a shared testimony that we were all being, we're all being carried through hard times. This was kind of the beauty of the event. Really was. All right. So the first, the, like, so we didn't save the beginning, but three main p- points. So your first point yeah. is focus on Christ. And what's your second point, Anita? Okay, so, and actually what I said is I had to split my testimony into these three distinct parts, if you will. So the first, obviously, was the Savior, my testimony of the Savior and His atonement. The second was the restored gospel and its ordinances and the covenants that are associated with that. And then the third was the church as an organization, as an entity. And so when when I took away 
the other two things and just focused on Christ. And that was, that was fine. And we've talked about that. Um, what I found for my testimony of the restored gospel and it's in the covenants that are there. Um, I have a very strong testimony of the book of Mormon. And for me, that's what carries my testimony of the restored gospel. And, and that's always been at the core of it. And it's evolved over the years. Um, I had friends leave the church some years ago and I questioned some things and I shelled some questions and I've had a number of spiritual experiences that have resolved my concerns there. Um, and so for me, my testimony of the restored gospel was also not harmed when I separated those two. However, it's important to acknowledge, and Allison alluded to this, the church is still being restored. It's not done yet. And there's more to come. And the which article of faith is it? We believe all that God has revealed, um, all that he has now revealed, and that he will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And I believe with all my heart that those answers will come, that ha it will outline the plan that our father has for his LGBTQ children, that our heavenly parents have. Our kids, I wonder sometimes if there was this big council in heaven and heavenly father and heavenly mother sat them down and said, hey, we're going to send you to earth during this time and you're going to have this unique set of challenges and you're going to be fighting for your place, but you're going to help the people of my church learn how to love better. Will you do it? And when I look at it from that perspective, I see some very valiant and strong spirits in our LGBTQ kids. They are not LGBTQ by accident. So I have to believe, and I do believe, that there is more to come and that those answers will, will come. I don't know what the answers will be. Again, um, Allison talked about hopelessness for me. Part of maintaining hope is to not quantify what the changes will look like. Yeah. I, I can't. Oh, I love that. I, I think Alice and I were just talking about that today. And because um, I was saying, because you say what you think, but what the apostle should do, Alice, I think you say it so beautifully. Well, I mean, I think I have a really strong testimony in the Lord teaching his apostles. I heard a firsthand account from um, Elder Perry, who was my husband's uncle, about the experiences around uh, restoring. Um, priesthood ordinances to our black members and the people of the world. And um, I have a really, really strong testimony of that. I believe there was great education and movement there. It was not fast. It certainly wasn't at the beginning of the cycle of the civil rights movement. In fact, it was in the last year of the civil rights movement. Um, and for some people in the church, they're probably still where that movement, where we were back then. But um, for the most part, they, those members of the, the, the 12 and the first presidency were moved um, along a line of information and education and, and not to compare it to that period to this period too closely, but there's a process of learning that we're all going through. And I go through it. I mean, I'm learning much more about um, trans or not gender non-conforming people. I'm, you know, I'm in a real, at, at the beginning of this, I really just couldn't, I couldn't dive in. I, and I didn't have a child who is uh, trans or non-binary. So I didn't, and I'm learning and I'm trying to learn more and more. And Anita's taught me so much and, um, we're all learning. We're all learning and we're all learning how everything fits and, and we need to allow that grace 
for those who don't have children, little children coming out and who are experiencing this with 20, 40, 50, 60, 70 years uh, of believing a different way. So, and that, that's part of loving, right? It's easy to love the people we love. It's harder to love the people that are, feel like they're uh, not working with us very well. So that's part of my process. And um, I really have a strong opinion of that. And all of that is to say, I believe that the savior will move mountains. And I love President Nelson said that. He said, before Christ comes again, he will do many of the greatest works he's ever done. Right. He said that in general conference, I think two times ago. And that just brought me such hope. And I love the fact that we expect that from the savior, that we know he runs this church and that he is evolved and he is mindful and that there's a plan to all the chaos, right? Because especially in the world right now, there seems to be so much chaos and and hopelessness, right? But if you ask yourself, what is the biggest, what what are some of the top two or three biggest issues in the church right now? I would say the the LGBTQ issues are up there, if not one or two. Um, I I think divisions, well, I think it's just division overall, depending, you know, just, it's a big division right now. Yeah. And and nobody knows exactly how to handle it. It's one of the biggest uh, problems we're facing right now. And the church is how to combine and, and coalesce around this issue. So when people say, oh, things will never change, I think, well, of course the Lord's going to help us through these tricky times. And we, we, if we listen and watch, we can see where he is making progress for us. I just think it's all about us becoming a Zion's people. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the work, you know, it's our becoming of who he needs us to be. Yeah. And I was going to say, isn't, wouldn't it be sad if things never changed? Like if we never changed as people, right. what's the, ah, so know, we're supposed to change. We're supposed right. to grow and become more like the savior. What and I think beliefs were where they were in Joseph Smith's time. I mean, heavens. Right. Yeah, but I, love, I like, they thought Christ was going to come anytime. Like, I think so many new things were happening then that they were like always expecting change. But I actually think our kids are kind of that way now too, because think about the last five years, so much has changed in our church, right? And so like now everybody's like every general conference, there's a million rumors, which I kind of love that buzz and excitement. I love that we're like, bring it, Lord. We're ready for more, you know? And Allison, you you pointed out like the church leaders and stuff. And I think that's a really good segue into this like third perspective of the church being this, this third thing um, is that I, we can recognize that our leaders of the church, whether it be, you know, the, the general authorities, whether it's our local leaders, um, they're doing the best they can. And I have a lot of empathy for where they're coming from. And sometimes it's harder to have empathy than others when they're doing things that are causing pain um, yeah. to people that I love, but absolutely, they're, they're stewards in trying to do their best with their stewardship. And I think of that with the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the First Presidency, I, I am actually, I find so much hope in the fact that we have um, members of the, of that leader, of those leaders that are, that have LGBTQ family, close family members that they love mm-hmm. and, and listen to and talk to, that they have good relationships with, because that means they're listening um, and that those viewpoints are being hopefully heard and that the Lord will use it to tutor them just as he has used it to tutor me as a mom to get me to the place where I am right now. And so I think we can respect and love the church as an organization and recognize that these are not perfect people leading the church, but they're good people for the most part 
just yeah. doing the best they can and trying to, I, I appreciate the fact that they don't make casual shifts on a dime and, you know, based on public opinion. I understand that we are trying to, you know, we believe the Lord leads, leads this church, but the Lord doesn't work as fast as <laughs> you want him to sometimes. And that's okay because we grow in the process of having to wait. I love that. Cause I often say like, why didn't the Lord tell um, me late Lehi grab the wives and grab the plates before you leave. Right. <laughs> but he sent them back twice. Lord, efficient. Yeah. He's not yes. the efficient. He's not about efficiency. He's about becoming and change and yeah, it's about all those learning, things. Right. It's all mm-hmm. about learning. And, and some have, you know, I have, I don't have a doctorate in very many things, but I feel like I'm rounding out the rest of my doctorate on LGBTQ matters as they apply to the church. And, you know, oh, there's always more learning, but I can't expect that of everybody else. Right. I mean, I did head first dive and have been in it for a long time, as we all have, and been working on it. So we can't expect our bishop, who's never once dealt with it, in his uh-huh. family or doesn't have that kind of compassionate view that earned empathy that we've got. So it's, it's hard. And I, and I say it as, because I believe it's super important, but it is very hard. And I usually have to go through a fairly good cycle of anger, frustration. Um, and then finally, like back to love before it, I don't just go like, Oh, okay and right back to love. I usually have to travel a fairly arduous road of recovery. Right. Yeah. And I think I want to add right here um, because I was just coaching a mom about this today and where she's like, I'm learning so much and it's so hard to sit in Sunday school and hear the judgments and hear the ignorance. Mm. And I'm like, I know, but until you drop that judgment of them, you won't feel the love again. So like we are asking for non-judgment from people who don't have LGBTQ family members. And, but we have to really work on non-judge, like the Bishop who's still learning, giving grace to him and giving grace to the young women's leader who messed it up. Like when, and the benefit for us to do that is that we become more effective disciples and feel the love more. And I know it's hard, right? Like, especially when they have specifically said things that have done real damage to your child, but the best gifts you could give your child is to forgive and let go of that hate and that judgment, because then you become such a more effective um, conduit of Christ for everybody involved. Well, and teaching them that it really doesn't have anything to do with them as an individual. Yes. It has yeah. to do with a lack of education. Yeah. So I talked to this amazing mom this week. She sent me this email and it was kind of like, Hey, I just, you know, to whoever gets this, I need a little help. And the Bishop had been really, um, tough on her 14 year old who was identifying sort of kind of in a, a gender fluid kind of phase of exploration as a 14 year old. And those of us that have been around, in fact, I sent it to Anita cause I was, I was angry enough. I, I was flooded as I would say. And I couldn't, I couldn't answer properly cause I was so mad at him. Um, we talked, we talked about some of the resolutions. So she went back, you know, Anita gave her great advice. And then I came back once I'd kind of got my wits about me again, a day or two later and said some things. And then she'd come back and said, I met with the the Bishop again. He'd actually 
talked about stripping her. She was a class president and she was um, stripping like temple her. recommend temple and- recommend. I mean, we're talking about a prov- provisional. This isn't an adult. This is a child. And then not showing up for church while she was questioning. And uh, this mom's going to write her story out. And it's, I can't wait. But um, she went back and said to him, hey, I want you to really rethink of this. Because if this, if you do this, she will never come back to church. Right. And her, and, and really in a, a calm, very educative way, just said to the bishop, look, this child is trying to figure out who she is. And I'm all in for that. And, uh, you know, I, I want her to find out who she is. This is the appropriate time for figuring out who she is. She went back and she spent some time with him and really kind of had him think about some of the things that he had done, sort of like knee-jerk reaction. Then she told me she was meeting him again this week and uh, or had just met him and it was getting a little better. So rather than saying, oh, look what he did, I feel like like my hands are tied. She went, she made another appointment, went back and said, okay. I want you to look about, you know, we've had a little time here. Let's look at this again. Here's some information that I've been thinking. I'd like you to re rethink about it this way. Um, that's, that's the way I wish I would have acted. I mean, I think I did okay with some of the things that happened to my son, but I wish I would have even been more clear when I went back. And this woman has a really way, a lovely way of like, distilling all the anger out and just leaving the feelings that she was having and what she thought could be better. And anyway, it's such an interesting, it's, it, it's, it's impossible when you're flooded with emotion. It's impossible. And I, I find that when there's all those really big feelings going on, that I have to wait mm-hmm. to respond until I can come from a place of love. That's the rule I've given myself. Yep. Yep, that if yeah. I can't come from a place of love, I'm not ready, no, I'm not I call ready that. to talk yeah. to confront and, them about it yet or to, yeah. to, to, to bring it up again. No, in, in coaching, we call it your your first, your um, primary response and your secondary response. Yeah. Like your primary response is your, you know, that very quick. And then your secondary response is the love where you want to be. So, yeah. um, you know, you got to be flooded or um, untriggered and then get over there. And, and yeah. that's going to be different. Go through time. To be flooded in emotions when you feel like your child's being attacked is absolutely normal. Appropriate. Yep. We all have mama bear in us. Yeah, for sure. All of us. I mean, really, if we didn't, our kids, many of our kids wouldn't survive either other people or us because <laughs> our, our, our mama bear instincts kick in. Yeah. And well, uh, how this has turned this because we haven't really talked about this, but. I, I feel like the one reason, number one reasons that we all need to say, but besides the covenants, which I really believe in the covenants that our um, gospel gives us and the power of those is that we are to teach other people, right? Like this is a story of the bishop learning, she's learning. And we have hundreds of these stories, right? Allison of like moms that like did the hard work with yeah. the stake president, with the bishop, went back in with the bravery and Bishop's hearts were changed. The state president's hearts were changed and young women's leaders hearts were changed so that the next kid going into that office, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. And not always going to come up with the the satisfying solution. No, but, but there, but it's, I love what Ben said at our event. You do it by 10, 
hundred, you can't move somebody 180 degrees, just do it by 10 degrees at a time. Yeah. Right. And, and that's not always satisfying, but it, it will get us all there. The next child will be the, the leader will think a little differently. Um, You know what I mean? There's just, there's, there's growth. And really I see remarkable growth sometimes like stunning growth in leadership and the way that people are responding and the emotional feelings that are seeping into the hearts all over the, the church at all levels. So right. we, we can't discount this hard, hard work we're doing as and, mothers and as individuals. And one of the things I know, Allison, you've said, and I've said, and I think Jenny as well, that we feel, we feel called to be here. Yeah. In this space, it is not an easy place to be in all the time to be both LDS affirming and LGBTQ affirming, especially when we have kids who have stepped away from the church or other loved ones um, because of how they felt at church and what they were told at church. And so it's it's can be a very difficult place to be. But I'm here because I believe God wants me to be here and I still feel the savior and the spirit at church. And I and I want to fight to make maybe fight not the right word. I'm working to make it a safer place for the families who do want to stay and the kids who do want to stay and help them figure out how to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's so important. Um, if, if all of us who were hurt by people in the church left the church, who would be left? Right. Who would be left to help these families who are kids, kids that are just coming out and just trying to figure it out? Um, I mentioned this before, um, I know, but I think it's worth repeating. When Oliver first came out, I looked around at the people in my ward, and there was a lady who I greatly admired, who, in my opinion, was walking the middle of the covenant path, who had just posted on Facebook a couple weeks prior, congratulating her brother on his wedding to his husband. Congratulations. We love you. And it was the first time I had seen somebody active in church, supporting a same-sex marriage. I had never seen that before, but it changed me in a positive way. I realized that I didn't have to choose between fully supporting my child and fully walking the covenant path. This this whole concept that that you have to choose between being an active um, covenant-keeping member of the church or loving and supporting your LGBTQ families, it's fiction. It's a false paradox. And so I had to throw that out, Um, but I did it. I was able to do that in part because of the people I saw around me who were actively walking, you know, the path, you know, that we expect to see at church and being affirming. And so I knew that that was part of what I needed to do as well. I'm all in, I'm all in the church, but I'm also all in my family. I'm all in the restored gospel because I know the savior is all in for me. And I, I turned to Allison during our mother's event and I said, I sure wish Apostle could have seen, could have been here to witness these women, yeah. to witness the strength and the love and the ministering and these women being all in for the family and for Christ. And it was, it was just so beautiful to see because it was living, like watching the gospel lived at such a high level and watching his daughters um, be like the highest level of themselves. It was and like, I just wanted everybody to witness it because if they could witness these moms and how they, what they brought to that room, they would like totally see why 
we could support our LGBTQ children and have such just amazing relationship with Christ. It, it makes you into this most amazing, like disciple and highest self of yourself, but it's a path that like, and we gave you three ways to focus on, but it is individual path that is, is treacherous to say the least, right? Oh, You're questioning yeah. everything, but if you can make it through the path and not, and, and, and I, we honor everybody on the path, whatever they're doing on this path or where they're at, I promise you, you will love the version of yourself so much better after this. And we're still on it, right? We're still going through it, but you well, really, I think, really yeah, love until we're all, until we all get to the end of this, but you right. know, you know, one of the things I really admire that you said, you said, you talked about it being a calling and, and then you told the story of this woman who had put it on Facebook, what, two weeks before your child came out? Just a couple of weeks. It was right around the same time that Oliver came out. So I think when people say to me, like, why do you say stay? Like, this is my church. This is my, these are my people. This is my gospel. How do you stay? Like, is a totally different question. And how do you keep a testimony? But what you said if we're called to do this job, if you're called to do this job, you get strength. You get, you get extra measures of goodness and Karen's along the path, right? The little stones. And that woman coming out was a Karen to you, a, mm -hmm. a signpost of like, look, this woman who you really admire, look what she's, she went before you and she left you a little sign that everything's going to be okay. And there's beauty in it and there's goodness and there's God in this. And, and I think that as moms who are just starting out on this road, look for the Karens that God gives you because he asked you to do something hard. They, you can absolutely 100% count on them. And as I always say, write them down. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. And when you look back at the, the moments, the gifts, the Karens, the the wayfinding maps and ribbons tied to branches and however they come to you, pieces of bread on, you know, like breadcrumbs, you will see the Lord. He's not absent in this. He's, he's guiding us, which helps us to stay on our path, which doesn't look like anyone's path. And it helps us to stay, you know, it's not that we always feel guided and lifted, but we can see definite connections between lift, you know, the next step, the next step. And I, I love that you, that you saw that. And those are this, that's, that's it. That's the beauty right there. And, and that's what draws, um, these women will tell you all of them in that meeting that their connection with Jesus Christ is exponentially closer, more intimate and um, dependent on Jesus Christ than it ever was and dependent in a very good trusting way. The way he wants it to be. I really feel that and way. That's absolutely my experience yeah. is I had, I had no idea how close the Lord was to me and how, how intimately he understood my pain and my joy and my family. No idea until I started this. And I would say, once you figure this out for yourself, your formula, write it down because there's going to be moments where 
you're going to ask yourself that question. There are going to be hard moments that you need to go back and say, remind your brain of like, no, this is my community. This is why I'm staying in this church. Cause there, you're going to have moments like that and you're in a need. So like Allison said, write it down. So you have it to reference when those hard moments. Yeah. And have some steps. I listen to music. I have a playlist. Mm-hmm. It moves around. Some songs go off. Some come on. I have, um, I have some rituals like, just calming down rituals, have, have, find out what works and keep them near whatever it is, because there's, there's so much goodness to be had and there's change to be had and, and it will be the mothers. It just will be. It reminds me of that. Um, and I think we've all heard this story about young girl who had this strand of imitation pearls and her dad would come into the room every night and ask her to give him this imitation strand of pearls. And she was like, no, daddy, I don't want to do it. And this went on for a few weeks. And finally one night she gave him that strand of imitation pearls. And in return, he gave her a real pearl necklace that he had had and was just waiting to give her. And that's kind of how I feel on this journey is that my imitation pearls of walking the path of the gospel. I mean, it was beautiful. It was pretty, it was lovely. And I found a lot of happiness there but I feel like the Savior is just waiting for us to let go of the things and the expectations that we had for our lives and what as good as we thought it would get. And then he's giving us this, this beautiful gift that's so much more and that's so much more valuable and that's so much more precious. And, uh, and it's, I can't, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. I never but if you would ask me five years ago, if I would have said this, you'd ask me three years ago, two years ago. I don't know if I would have had the same answer. I am so grateful to be an LGBTQ mom. I'm so grateful for this path that my life is on because yeah. it is so beautiful. And um, I would not, I would not have felt that without, without the opposition, without the, 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 the things that challenged me. So good. I love that um, analogy because it really, you drop all the fake things and you just focus on the real. I think that's so good, Anita. Oh, I agree. Well, thank you for like bringing this to our attention to like do a podcast on it. Cause I think this will be helpful. It was helpful for me just reading and discussing it. And we just appreciate anytime we get with you, Anita, your wisdom. Well, well and I just want to make a, a, just put a note here that if you have any questions about your trans, non-binary, gender fluid, um, gender non-conforming child, however you want to phrase that, uh, reach out to Anita um, yep. on Instagram. And I'm there. I'm at Anita Simple Things. And I may not see my messages in like 30 minutes because I have... <laughs> I had to turn off my notifications, but I'm on there at least every day. Otherwise I'll get nothing done. That's faster than I get back to people. So awesome. (laughs) Yay. But Anita does two support groups a month, one in the um, Lift and Love. um, It's the free one that um, that changes dates per month. So depending on Mm -hmm. then um, in our Lift It Up together close. um, That's a private one because we want a private space for... um, to process this. So, all right. And if you want more help processing than this, the support groups, be sure and reach out to the Lifted Up community, which is run by Jenny. And mm-hmm. she has coaching there uh, in her community. Anita is there. There's, it's the next level. If you need 
if you need more coaching help, if you need more help getting through this, check that yeah. out and um, sign up and and give it a try and see if um, Jenny can help you work through some of the things that are that are really hard for you that you feel like you are not handling well. Yeah, and you getting that help is the best gift you could give your child. I know that was the best gift I gave my child. <laughs> right, <laughs> getting that clean space and that private and, space. Yeah, and this is just not a thing that you can always handle on your own. This is, you need the, the community is so important. It's important for your children. It's a safe community. It's important for us and a a learning community where it's, you're not stuck on the same square or the same, you know, bend in the road. You are. And just having those other moms, right. Who've been there, walk the path that you can connect with. Like we just, so I just talking to mom today. She was like, I feel so isolated. Like nobody knows what I'm going through. And that I hear that over and over again. You don't need to feel isolated. We are here to help you. I mean, Lift and Love has so much resources lifted together. Like go in there and get the, the one-on-one resources. Like there's no, no reason for you to feel isolated on the list. Like even when you're struggling with your testimony, we can help you with that because we are faith affirming and your child affirming, both those things. So thank you for joining us today. We love thank you guys. You. Thanks so Thanks. much. Glad to be back. Uh, if you have any comments about Lift and Love, podcast put them in the comments and give us five stars and that helps other people find us so thank you for that love you all thank you for joining us if you like what we share subscribe to the lift and love podcast and if you have a minute leave us a five-star rating so other families like yours can find us when your child comes out you need to find support where you feel safe and understood this is why we created the lift and love coaching community a place where parents can connect learn, and grow in a private setting. Jenny is a certified, advanced-trained, faith-based life coach with almost 10,000 hours of coaching. Together, we have worked with hundreds of families just like yours. To see if the Lift and Love community is right for you, go to liftandlove.org and click on the community link. For more free information, support groups, and available resources, check out liftandlove.org and liftandloveorg on Instagram and Facebook. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.